0: As we approach our fourth year anniversary of starting this podcast, we just want to thank you so very much for making this show possible. Because of you, this show has grown so much in the past four years, and we're just unbelievably grateful for your support. We're going to do something a little bit different this episode. We're going to take a jump back in time to the very first episode of 2019, where we sat down with the CEO of a consulting company who shares her expertise and some of her personal stories on how she overcame the fears that come when you're trying to grow as a leader. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, working hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We wanna know how can we support you? What difficulties are you facing as a leader or what organizational problems are you wrestling with? Or even better, what major obstacles did you or your organization overcome this past year and how? We would love to hear from you. Send us an email to pod. that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot edu, because I can guarantee there are other leaders facing the same challenges or those of us who just simply need some encouragement. So on today's show, we are sitting down for a one-on-one interview with a strong leader who trains and consults top-level executives. Her name is Emily Burmis, and she is the CEO and founder of Emily Burmis & Associates, an executive coaching company who's trained executive teams at Discover, Eli Lilly, and other Fortune 100 companies. So Emily, thank you so much for taking some time to be on our show today and I wanna start by having you take us back before you started your organization and tell us how you found consulting to be your quote-unquote sweet spot.
1: Yeah, it was sort of accidental actually. So I was at um, Purdue Fort Wayne for 12 years and in that time I got off the research track. Research really depressed me, frankly. You put a lot of work into studying a problem that's really sad and you never know if any of the information that you develop helps anybody and so you're spending a lot of time studying the problem and no time seeing if it makes a difference so I found it really um, not very fun and um, so I got off the research track and went on to the administration track so I ran a large program I had about 40 uh, instructors that reported to me I had about 2,500 students a semester taking the course that I directed and I found that to be really much more fun um, but because I wasn't on the research track I went on to the consulting track. And um, quite by accident, someone called the university and asked, you know, they had a problem they needed someone to solve. The university pointed them to me. I went in and did an organizational assessment and I just was on fire about it. I had so much fun doing it. And um, so over, or just organically over time my consulting practice grew and at some point you know you've got a full time practice you know consulting and you've got a full time job uh, at the university and at some point you just have to say I, I can't do more than this and you just have to make the leap so I made the leap um, to consult full-time when the economy was tanking. I thought, great time to just take the leap. And I did, and it's, it's been really, really great. Had a, a really scary year in there for sure, but um, the business took off, and it's been it's been really wonderful since.
0: And as we talk about these difficulties that us leaders face day in and day out, as a female leader in a predominantly male-driven business culture, talk about the difficulties you faced early on and how you pushed through.
1: Yeah, so, um, and I I fell into this a little bit, right? I mean, I just sort of started dabbling in consulting and just happened to love it, and you know, because I live in a pretty small market, it's not like I could go work for Booze Allen, right? I was qualified maybe, but I can't just pick up my family and move. So um, so I had to invent a firm, build a firm in order to do what I want to do. But it was never my goal to be an entrepreneur. It was never my goal to own a business. It was never even my goal to be in business. It was my goal to be a ballerina. So <laughs> my life's a huge disappointment. Um But I think, you know, the philosophy that I embrace and I feel like it's a philosophy that women sort of have to embrace is that you have to just make yourself wildly uncomfortable every day because women more than men. And, you know, I haven't done this research, but I've, I've read it often enough. You know, if females have four of five job qualifications, they won't apply. Four of five. If men have one out of five qualifications, they apply and they're mad if they don't get it. So I don't know if this is nature or nurture. Someone smarter than me is going to have to figure that out. But females hold themselves back because they're too timid about taking risk in general, right? There are certainly exceptions, but in general. And so I feel like my personal recipe has been, if it scares me, I'm going to say yes. And I've said yes to a lot of things that I <laughs> uh, weren't comfortable, weren't easy. But if you do that for your whole life, I'm actually a very shy, very timid personality. I scare easily, I get nervous easily, I get anxious easily. I don't have this big, bold personality. And yet, if, if you just see me in the workplace, you'd probably say, she's, she's pretty, pretty confident female, right? Well, I'm 45. So from 25 to 45, I've said, yep, I can do that. And then I'm like, what are you saying? You're crazy. You're going to hate this. It's going to be so scary. But I show up and I do the work. And then the next big thing, I say, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'm scared and I show up and I do it and it works. And so if you just keep doing that, you're really just desensitizing yourself to the sense of fear. You know, so the things that scare me today, it's got to be a pretty big thing. I can sit in any room with any leader in any company and I'm not going to flinch. But that was not me 20 years ago. Right. So I think for females, You really have to embrace the fear and say, yes, I'm afraid, but I'm saying yes anyway. And I remember my dad at one point, you know, because he's obviously known me the longest, and he said, I think your only comfort zone is being out of your comfort zone. And I said, that's how it has to be, or I would still be a waitress at Shoney's.
0: That's a true story. (laughs) So then did you have many cheerleaders through your journey early on?
1: No. I mean, I'm a pretty independent person, so, you know, I left home at 18, and, uh, you know, dabbled around in life and, you know, had to put myself through college and grad school. And um, no, so I'm, I'm a very independent person. And um, I will say though, that, and, and I have, I mean, I have close friends. am su- my husband is probably my super, you know, my number one supporter, but we've only been married for a year and a half. So he doesn't get a ton of the credit for the, for the history. He gets a lot of credit for what's happening now. Um, but um, no, I think, I think for me, and ugh, this is gonna sound horrible, but I think it's a trap for women to surround themselves with other women and ask for advice on how to get ahead in business. Like, I think the most important thing for me has been having awesome male bosses, you know, so I can say, you know, my chair at the university, I think he was my first chair, he would just say, hey Burmes, I'm gonna throw you into the deep end of the pool, is that cool? And I'd be like, no, and he'd go, if you're drowning, let me know. And he would just keep throwing me into these, like, you know, jobs and roles and task forces and this and that. And the other. And I was always like, Dave, are you kidding? Dave Switzer's his name. I can give him some props. Um, he would just throw me into this situation and go, I think you can run this program. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. If this job posted, I would never even apply for it. So I'm a good example, right? I would have never applied for it. He's like, Burmus, no one else is going in this role but you. You're in. And I was like, uh, and he was like, you got it. So for me, I think being around men as much as women really challenges your paradigm. They're more likely, I think, to challenge your fears. They're more likely to challenge your doubt and your own competence. And I don't know that women necessarily do that as much. They're very supportive. They're very empathetic, but they don't go, uh-uh, you got like the tough love. I don't think they do that quite as well. And so I think for me... Part of the secret for the success is really, um, and and I'm lucky, I guess, that you know. I wish we had more female clients. A lot of our clients are male, so you know, even my client base, you know, once you get to know them, and then you know, they become part of your network and your community, you know, they'll push me, and it's like, Ugh, you're pushing me. So I think not, do, and it's a very popular thing now to go to these all female networking groups, these all female, you know, workspaces, these all female. I, I I don't buy into that. Surround yourself with males and females, then you're going to get the nurturing and support that you need from your females and you're going to get pushed like crazy by the males and I think you'll be a better person
0: for it. So I found an interesting study by talentful.com that came out with some research that says of the 1,000 highest earning companies in the world, only 54 of those CEOs are women. As a high-level leader, do you think women are limited because of external factors of inequality? Or do you think more women are not in higher levels of leadership because of their own fear?
1: I think it's both. I mean, if you look at the actual like financial results of organizations that have either more female presence on the board, more female presence in leadership, have a female CEO, they're actually outperforming their male counterparts. So the reality is we can be successful, absolutely. I think part of it is you know, the, the stuff you have to face along the journey, right? Sexual harassment happens all the time. I mean, I've been sexually harassed by clients. I've been sexually harassed by bosses. It's a real thing. And, and so, like, the emotional effort it takes to put up with that stuff and keep going anyway, there, there's a higher emotional cost to being female, I think, even from, you know, being in a networking group and, you know, some guy comes up and feels like he can make a, co- a comment about my shape. It's a business networking group. Why would any man feel like he can come up and have a comment about my shape? It's not what I'm there for, right? So there's a certain amount of noise I think that women have to deal with. And, you know, some of it can be really scary. I've not had anything super scary happen, but certainly, you know, unpleasant, uncomfortable, and you know, makes me mad. And men aren't dealing with that. So I think some of it is women get worn out by the reality, right? And the in the day to day circumstances. But for women that can push through that stuff for whatever reason they're strong or they're determined or they've got good support at home. You know, we absolutely can achieve those results. So I think the reality that we're just dealing with noise that men aren't, is a deterrent. And I think it's that we have more self-doubt in general. And so it's the women that go, too bad, I'm doing it anyway. Too bad, I'm doing it anyway. Too bad, I'm doing it anyway. And just keep pushing that they get there. And then there is a point where you just kind of go, oh, I just don't need to be so afraid anymore. I'm where I wanted to be. Everything's okay. I survived and I got here. And you know, the higher you get in the organization, the less noise you have to deal with because then you're in a position of power and it becomes more difficult for people to, you know, be inappropriate and and, and hurt you basically.
0: I want to go back to something you said earlier. One comment that you said your father told you was quote, I think your only comfort zone is being out of your comfort zone. So my question to you is. How did you build your emotional tolerance to push the limits of your comfort zone?
1: I think your willingness to put yourself out of your comfort zone helps because you can't build that tolerance. It's like working out, right? I can't lift fifty pounds if I'm not willing to pick up five and then ten and then fifteen. So it's it's an endurance thing. It's a strength building thing. So you've in what wherever you are, you know, and you know, at eighteen, I was literally a, a Shoney's waitress living on my own in absolute poverty, and but you've got to be willing to take one class at the university. And then you're like, (gasps) I passed it maybe I'll take two, right? So wherever you're starting, and I didn't come from much, right? But wherever you start, it's like, but what's that one next thing that's a little bit braver, that's a little bit harder, that's a little bit more putting myself out there. And then you're building that muscle over time. So they, and that's what gives you confidence, right? Some people are actually born with confidence. They just are. My daughter has it, I don't know where it came from, but she has like the highest self-esteem I've ever seen. And I'm like, gosh, that was so not me. Um, So some people just naturally have it. They have good DNA. They're not a timid personality. They had good parents, maybe. I don't know. So um, if you don't have it, it's okay. You can still get where you want to go, but you're going to have to work harder and you're going to have to push yourself harder to get there. You know, people that are born naturally confident and just walk around the world like, you know, and they believe in themselves and they, they know what they want and they know they can do it. Like some people are like that, but it takes a really good recipe of DNA and upbringing to be that way. Most of us, you know, got kicked around a little bit more than that. And so we've got to work a little bit harder to build that um, grit.
0: So Emily, many of our listeners know I'm obsessed with finding what drives people. With every leader I talk to there's always a specific instance or a specific person or a specific circumstance that drives them to be better or to be more. So I want to know what drives you. I mean, some of it's luck.
1: (laughs) So there's no accounting for that. I think a certain amount of it is relying on other people's judgment to say you can do this and being dumb enough to believe them and then just showing up and doing the work and then it works out, right? So um, when other people tell you you can do something, you should probably believe them because they see something in you that you can't see for yourself right now. Um, Not that many people go around going out of the way to go, I believe in you. So if someone's actually saying that, buy it. And I think for me, a big driver, I mean, I grew up very poor. I wanted out. I wanted out. I didn't want to live on that street. I didn't want to be in that neighborhood. I wanted something better. And so for me, it's been this, and, and not material things. I'm not really materialistic. Um, and, and you know, I, I've had some commercial success for sure. That's not the driver. It's more, I want to be different than that. I want to be better than that. I've got, I've got m- more to give in my life than what that looked like. And um, and I'm also just extremely passionate about what I do. I mean, so here's a, a great example of how these two things connect. So, you know, when I grew up, my dad worked for GE and he was a third shift machine shop operator and he worked nights. And I literally m- remember him coming into my bedroom and nailing my windows shut because there was, you know, a lot of violence in the neighborhood. And he's like, this is the only way I know to keep you safe. And I hated that he wasn't home at night. And I hated that my windows were nailed shut when it was 90 degrees out. And I hated that he came home from work and he seemed really demoralized by his job because the culture at that time was quite toxic. And if you're at the bottom of the, you know, stuff rolls downhill, right? So if you're at the bottom of the hill, you're getting the most grief. And my parents were always fighting about money. And so we were, you know, economically really insecure. And I just thought work is horrible, apparently, you know, so like the first, you know, college class that I took where they talked about organizational culture, and some cultures are learning cultures, and some cultures are empowering, and some cultures are, you know, fun, and some are, you know, whatever, I thought, you can actually make companies better than that? And I mean, the light bulb just went off, I said, that's what I'm going to do for a living. And so, you know, I'm really driven by, so I'm willing to put myself out of my comfort zone and have really difficult conversations with some, frankly, very difficult people, because I know if I can get through to them, I can make them a better leader, and that's going to touch everyone that they lead, and eventually it's going to touch everyone that they lead's families and kids, and that's what drives me. So I think really, and I'm lucky, I know so many people that don't have a clue what their purpose is. And they want out of their lives and they want to, you know, drop everything and go travel the world. I have no desire to travel the world. I just want to do my job and enjoy my family. Like, that's it for me, you know. So I think if, if you're lucky enough to know what your purpose is, even if you have no idea, like, how you're going to fulfill it, just stay focused on that. And then it gets you through the hard things. So it's kind of like if, if, if you break into my house and I come into my house and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're scary, I'm gonna run away. But if I come into my house and you broke into my house and my kids are you know on the other side of you, well, I'll stay and fight. So if you know what your purpose is long-term and you know why you're doing it and it's deep within your soul to do it, then you're willing to say things like, yes, I'll come do a podcast. Yes, I'll go give a presentation, even though presentations are like my least favorite thing on the planet to do. I will show up and do that because this is what I'm here to do. So I think having clarity of purpose is really important and I I wish more people felt clear about it. I feel super sorry actually for people that can't figure
0: it out. So let's recap. Life is a battleground littered with obstacles and challenges around every corner. No matter your race, your creed, your gender, or social status, we all have our own challenges to overcome. Comparing our problems gets us nowhere, and using them as a crutch will always keep us down. What is important is how we overcome those obstacles before those obstacles overcome us. Emily Burmis faces the challenge of being a woman in a predominantly male workforce, yet she's at the top of her game. But how? First, it starts with recognizing what opportunities scare us, then say yes to that opportunity. If she let her fear dictate her decisions, she believes she would still be a waitress. Next, we have to build a strong community around us to help check our blind spots. For her, she could not simply have all-female coaches. She needed both male and female life coaches to help her through tough decisions because each group offers unique strengths. Once we build our support stream, understand the emotional effort needed to be a champion. Like working out, we must build emotional endurance because our obstacles take energy. It starts with five pounds, then 10 pounds, all the way until we can lift whatever is in front of us. Finally, we need to search ourselves for deep motivation to fire us up in times of weakness. For Emily, that came through a tough start in life, Coming from a poor family, she knew she wanted more for her kids. However, she did not keep that idea in dreamland. She took action and did something about it. Now she knows her kids can have a better life and she can find strength when she needs it most. Emily, it was our honor to have you on our show. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could rate and review our show. While you're there, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting app. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University, Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, helping organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.